The great sky ocean is an endless plain of swirling clouds, shifting in color from ochre, beige, mustard yellow to dark gray and pure white. The mists are populated by flying organisms called skyfish, and deep below the surface lurk massive entities known as leviathans. Fractured islands and continents dot the seascape, on which various creatures thrive. The biggest of these continents is known as Landfall, and is regarded as the birthplace and primary home of the people of the Great Sky Ocean. For thousands of years, kingdoms rose and fell upon Landfall as humans, orcs, elves, and all manner of intelligent creatures worked their magic, worshipped their gods, and feared what lurked below the endless clouds. Eventually, as Landfall's population exploded, a method of sailing upon the Sky Ocean was developed. This kickstarted an era known as the Exodus, where thousands if not millions of individuals left on skyfaring ships to inhabit the myriad islands north and east of Landfall in what is now called the Southern Sea. The Exodus was a turning point for civilization and is marked as year zero on most calendars. It was an age of prosperity, where leviathans were sought out and hunted in great and terrifying battles to harvest valuable magical components. Churches rose to power as an opposing force to the dark intelligences that lurked below the event horizon, an impassable barrier beneath the clouds that acted as a fluctuating seafloor. Technology advanced by heaps and bounds over 200 years before disaster struck. In the year 217 AE, a slumbering god was awoken beneath the populated island of Haven, just off the coast of Landfall. It rose like a second sun in the north, scouring everything within reach and devouring the island's inhabitants. The people of Landfall scrambled to find a solution before the Celestial could reach the mainland, though the continent was already in chaos due to a recent demonic coup of the throne of Raidon, the largest and most prominent coastal kingdom. Eventually, a crew of powerful leviathan hunters, accompanied by the demon prince himself, sailed out to challenge the beast. They succeeded, but the world was forever changed. As the second sun went out, the rest of the gods seemed to die with it. Clerics and churches lost their power overnight, suddenly cut off from the divine. Magic itself disappeared next, robbing sorcerers and wizards of the arcane power that once came so easily to them. On top of all that, the stars, which up until that point had remained motionless in the sky, began to turn and change with the seasons, as if spun on an enormous wheel. For the next 15 years, chaos reigned. That brief stretch of madness is now known as the Silence, and it saw the dawn of a new kind of magic. Now to obtain power, one must complete dark rituals and make deals with mysterious alien forces. These people, branded under the blanket term Leviathan cultists, became enemies of the state as the newly Christian Empire of Raidan emerged victorious from the chaos under the new leadership of an iron-fisted queen, Maria I, consuming their smaller neighbors and retargeting the population's anger, fear, and confusion at vestiges of the old world and the new magic that they didn't understand. A new monotheistic religion known as the Church of the Maker emerged and gained widespread popularity, worshipping certain stars as divine messengers. Meanwhile, a new sort of creature, remarkably leviathan-like, appeared on the sky ocean, gaining the name Starspawn for their dark, sparkling, amorphous bodies, which gave the appearance of a moving night sky. After the 15 years of societal unrest and political upheaval that was the silence, other island nations rose to power to contest the Raidonian Empire, and the Sky Ocean was launched into another age of progress. Technology once again advanced rapidly, leading to the invention of more powerful firearms and the first steam engines. 
Ships were sent farther north than they had ever gone before, crossing a mysterious floating field of crystals named the Apocalypse Reach into a new northern frontier, and finding it rich with gold and exotic materials. Now, over sixty years since the silence, the citizens of Landfall toil in factories under the watchful eye of the Empire, whose magical police, called Wardens, monitor potential cultists and keep the population in check with fear and propaganda. Even so, anyone with a seaworthy vessel and a loyal crew could forge their own destiny out in the frontier. The stage is set for adventure on the high seas. What is Dungeons and Dragons, Joe? It is this. We get a, a beautiful picture of the streets of Port City. It is the Victorian-style metropolis from which many of the boats of the kingdom, now Empire of Radon, are launched. We scroll through the uh, streets and see carriages running and people hawking wares and men in, like, heavy coats and, and hats with scarves walking about, and we get a close-up shot of a poster that says, Your neighbor may be a Leviathan cultist. Contact the Warden Commission today. We also see someone is selling a, a newspaper, like some, you know, newsboy with one of those caps, and he's shouting some headline about a massacre that is most likely Leviathan-related, in a middle-of-nowhere town in Landfall, where allegedly a cult eradicated a town for some dark ritual sacrifice, and then news of more freak storms ravaging the countryside and the seas. Another headline is shouted out about rising tensions, or tensions between the kingdom, the now naval empire of Carthage, and Radon, but we kind of move past that and slip into a dark and dingy alleyway where some drunkard is kind of slumped against the wall, and we move further and see one of those little, like, tavern signs, but it's hung in the alley, and it it reads Redfur's Bar, and it shows a big cartoon caravel or, um, like, man-o'-war ship of the line with red sails on the front. And we open the door and sneak in, and uh, we're greeted with the, the raucous laughter and fiddle music and flute of a a tavern in full swing. At the bar is the once famous sea captain Grayfur, who used to be known as Redfur, but now all of his fur has turned to Gray. And his, uh, his assistant slash technically boss, Scarlet. They are chatting happily at the bar as patrons mill about and get their food and drink. It is an underground pirate bar, unknown to the Radon officials. This is where members of a sort of loose collective known as the Crimson Legion and affiliates will often rest. You see people shouting old pirate tales and singing she shanty sea shanties. However, there is one main event about to be taking place, and Redfur announces, <clears throat> It is time for the fifth annual captain auction please captains take your places and two lovely looking captains sidle up to pause before the crowd 
There are two captains looking for new crew. The first is a dwarf with this big bushy black beard in which hangs like incense sensors. He's got a big tricorn hat and a big brace of pistols and a, a lovely captain's coat. And he's standing next to a very intimidating looking woman wearing a duster and a cowboy hat who has um, what do they call spurs on her boots. And she has a, a very, very, very large revolver strapped to her hip. And she, she's kind of got her fingers crossed and a cigarette sticking out of her mouth. The two captains line up. Grafer uh, shouts to them and says, Would you like to introduce yourselves? The lady with the cowboy hat steps forward and says, My name's Captain Richter. I am the... Uh, Leader of the pirate crew that sails the Hell or High Water, a brig outfitted for war. We've got a strong crew of about a hundred men, could use a few more. I'm looking for anyone who knows how to shoot a gun. There, there's, there's a bunch of chatter among the, uh, among the sailors, and she steps back. Grafer calls forward the next, and this dwarf with this long black beard walks forward and says... I, my name, well, they call me the Beast. I'm a pretty well-known captain around these parts. I sail a sloop of war. She's halcyon rigged, pretty small, about 50-man crew. At least that's what I'm looking for. Could be bigger, but, you know, need some space for all the loot we'll be hauling. I, and uh, a, a cheer comes up from the crowd, and he says, I'm looking for... Pirates who aren't afraid to be crooks, scoundrels who can talk their way through some tight situations. Uh, on my ship, we don't just go in guns blazing. And he shoots a look over at Captain Richter, who shoots a look back. We like to use more refined tactics. We are, of course, gentlemen of the sea, right? Richter says, horse shit. You're the dumbest motherfucker I know. The bee says, quiet. And then turns back and says, So, I happen to be looking for a navigator's mate. And a few able-bodied sailors. Not afraid of the top rigging or, or getting their hands a little dirty. New, newcomers welcome, we can train you in. It's, it's just a crew of about 50, so you should get along fine. What do you say? And there's more stirring from the crowd. Finally, people start signing up. People start lining up to join the two different captains. Who's the first person we see signing up to join one of these captain's crews? I, uh, I sail on up there, uh, well aware of how I look here. But, uh, I go right up to him and I say, Well, uh, could you be looking for a navigator of sorts? Ah, yes. Uh, someone else I just hired mentioned you. Uh, you know your way around sea charts? We could train you in if not. I know my way around the map well enough. And you're a good lookout? And he, he looks you up and down. By the way, when you walked up, you're obviously in the garb of a warden. And wardens, especially in a pirate bar like this, you know, not a good look. Uh, so the, the bar got pretty quiet and people are like waiting to see, waiting to see if the beast like sends you packing. I guess you could say I've got a good set of eyes. Um, I always got to watch my back in these parts, if you know what I'm saying. Aye, lad. 
And he squints and, like, leans forward to try and get a look at your eyes. The outfit of a warden, of course, is, like, this long-brimmed hat, this big uh, duster overcoat, and a scarf wrapped around them. So, like, the only thing you can really see are the eyes. And he, he squints and looks at you and he says... I will say that I do have goggles on. I, I would not leave a... Uh, I, I don't like okay. showing my skin. Yeah, yeah. So you, yeah. I assume you also have, like, leather gloves. Yeah. Uh, anywhere that would be uncovered has been uh, inconspicuously to conspicuously bandaged. I see. So he, he leans back and says, Well, I did get a voucher for you, so... Why not? Pretty much no one else here knows how to navigate, so I'll I'll take it. Welcome aboard. And he uh, he goes to shake your hand. I look down at it, look back up at him, and realizing that it would be very strange if I did not shake his hand, I go for it. He shakes your hand, gives you a bit of a weird look, and says, All right, next! I think right at the tail end of this, my character is walking up, and he recognizes the beast as well as Slim, and says, Hey, brother, looks like you've already, uh, you've already signed up with one of the captains. Yeah, I, uh, he seemed to fit our style a bit better than, uh, the other one. I would never turn down a good firearm, but I'd prefer to lay low a bit more than, uh, guns blazing. I could not agree more, and my character is, uh, flipping a coin as, as he walks on over, and kind of, like, makes a triangle between the three. Uh, just for viewers' sake, my character comes up and introduces himself. Just, hey, again, I'm the Rambler. Uh, and he is wearing a somewhat long duster. Uh, it goes down to about his ankles, uh, and it has a some red embellishing throughout it, a lot of them in what looks kind of like a Ouroboros serpent iconography. Uh, on top of that, his boots that meet up with the bottom of his duster are... Uh, rawhide, of course, fitting with the uh, cowboy setting we've got. Uh, he has a headband on, a black one, that goes well with his black hair. He's also wearing a sash around the middle. Looks like a, a gun might be able to be tucked into it, but right now he doesn't seem to have any weapons on him. Uh, and he also has some furred, slightly spiky shoulder pads. Uh, and you're not entirely sure what creature that fur comes from, but it definitely does not look local. Uh, he also has a smile always plastered between his cheeks, uh, and he has a few scars uh, on those cheeks. But as he's smiling at Slim and the Beast, he says, Definitely made the right call there, brother. I think this this guy, and he, and he gestures at, at Beast, I think he's got a lot going for him. I'll certainly get you rich. Ah, the Rambler already hired you on. Happy to have you aboard. Uh, you'll be meeting the rest of the crew in a minute for now. <clears throat> Let's see, who's next? Who else steps forward? So as soon as the other two walk away, I'll, um, I, you know, as soon as they leave from the captain's side and then they walk away, I'll walk up and I, I'm, I'm keeping my eye on the warden as he sorts of walks away, eyeing him suspiciously. And I walk up to the captain, and as soon as I kind of get up to the captain, I'll pull down the, um, the, the ratty black hood that I have hiding my face revealing kind of a um, young man, probably somewhere between 17 and 19 years old, with uh, tiny brown skin, m curly brown hair. The, um, the thing that catches the eye the most about his looks is that 
The majority of the left half of his face is covered in uh, burn scarring that kind of descending kind of down his neck and into the uh, front collar of the old um, kind of hold white blouse that he's wearing, presumably going further down and, and running along his chest. I've, he's got a, a crooked nose from where it's probably been broken a few times, and there's a, uh, a silver chain that's started to kind of brown a little bit from dirt and, and kind of just like distance into his shirt where you can't really see if there's anything attached. I'll say as I kind of approach the captain, yeah, I'll uh, I'll, I'll join if you'll have me and if, if you're willing to train me. Of course. And lad, what's got you so afraid? Don't worry about that warden. If he... If he was going to try to arrest you, we'd all be at his throat in a minute. We ain't got no love for the law here. No offense, of course, Slim. None taken, I say over from the corner. It's, I, I, I just don't really have any uh, trust for wardens. As, as I'm talking to the beast, um, uh, I don't make eye contact. I, I seem to uh, trying not to make eye contact specifically. The beast looks like he's sizing you up. Um, I... I I don't really have any um, ex- experience. Uh, um, uh, I don't really, I don't know anything about uh, life on a ship, but I'm willing to, to learn. Um, I'm generally a quick learner and I'm strong and, and I can get around fairly well. Um, and I, I promise not to make any kind of uh, um, issues on the ship. Fair enough. And I uh, reach my hand out uh, tentatively. I, I'm kind of noticeably uncertain about it, but I reach my hand out to offer a, a, a handshake to the beast. My name is, um, my name is Azazel. He takes your hand to shake it. Azazel. I like the ring to it. He shakes your hand and he says, can you swim? Uh, d- does that matter? Uh, I mean, yeah, but I, d- I don't see how that that's relevant. Nah, not too much. Are you afraid of heights? No. He pauses for a second and says, Welcome aboard, lad. Like, kind of pulls your hand. He was giving you a handshake. He pulls your hand, like, slaps you on the back pretty heavily. When he does that, I look visibly uncomfortable and uneased, but I don't say anything. He says, I'm sure you'll do fine, as long as you're not a cultist. Uh, right, right. Next. He kind of points over to a, a handsome-looking man with the features of someone from Achet, or uh, Achet. Where, where, where are you, Tori? Are you, like, at the back of the bar, or, like, walking up? Yeah, so uh, you see in the back of the bar this very young... Um, he has kind of, like, a nice chiseled jaw and uh, bright eyes... Uh, Technically, they're blue-green. Black hair, curly hair. A little out of it, to say the least. Like, like he's clearly never been there before. Um, And he looks up and he goes, Oh! And he points at himself. Me? Yes, you. I like the look of you. Do you think you could work for me on a boat? Are you good with a sword? If If you are asking, I... I'm looking as to be a part of any kind of crew as long as you are asking i just uh, need to i just need to get off of the city Cap- captain richter kind of sidles in and says can you fire a gun and uh, the beast says no 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 this one's mine 
Come on, go over here, lad. Let me get a look at you. Uh, the boy gets up, walks over. He's very, he's very tall and and very well built. Like he, he has some. Um, he does he does some push ups. He works out. He works out. <laughs> he does <up>. lift. <laughs> you you getting a good look at me, or how is this going to work? He's he's like. Iron, iron you up a bit. Uh, are, are, do you carry any weapons? Yes, he has one long sword on one side, and then uh, he has kind of, he's holding his shield with the other. Just kind of like, probably a good thing to to, to to carry this with him just in case. He just kind of, it's like he has all of his stuff with him, like he just got there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, he, like he's look, I Look, I have no idea where I am. I just need to, to find a crew. I am willing to work hard. Uh, work hard. I am a good fighter. Not so I. I can make my way around a gun, but I assure you that one-on-one combat, I'm way better. Let me see that blade, son. Sorry, I slipped out of my accent, but he 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 gestures to your sword. As they're doing this, what was the name again for my notes? Sorry, uh, hasn't introduced himself yet. Okay, never mind. I thought I missed it. Uh, no. No, he, uh, the boy takes out his sword and says, I made it myself. The beast inspects it and looks impressed and says, You know what? I think you'll fit in just fine. The boy, uh, he, uh, yeah. He smiles like he's really proud. Like he, he likes feeling reassured by other men. <laughs> he, yeah, he, he like flips the blade over and hands it to you, Hilt first. Uh, and says you can fight. That's good. You afraid of heights? No, can I'm a boy. Fight? I grew up. I grew up in the mountains. There's no such thing as heights. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, you'll do. Welcome aboard. Goes to shake your hand. It's nice to meet you. Your name again? They call me the Beast. How about you? Adele. Adele Etienne Inara. At Adele. Got it. And he, he pats you on the shoulder. Grayfur says, Anyone else foolish enough to join these two crews? I think at this point, certain figure in the back suddenly looks up from the book that he is currently reading, as if almost startled, looks over towards the front and gets up. Everybody who walks, he walks past by, you hear, smell this strong herbal scent enter your nostrils. And standing before, the beast is a human he's both small in stature he's roughly five five and in girth he's a twig really notably pale with deep debt bags underneath his brown eyes and upon his head is a wide brim black hat donned by a peculiar pair of antlers almost as thin as he beneath his hat is a short brown is short brown hair with strands of white spread throughout as if something were stealing its color peeking out from beneath his white blouse and leather armor is a floral tattoo its flower different from the one pinned to his black cloak. Strapped to his belt is a green book with ornate details of liquid gold, not the book that he's currently holding. And on his back is a well-used string instrument. Uh, he, uh, he says, I'd be interested. Now you, you have a strange look about you. Is that, is that a tattoo? Yeah. Who had it done? A small mom and pop shop while back in the countryside. It's... It's called the Silent Grove, but I don't think it exists anymore, unfortunately. So are you out from the North Country, like me? Radon born and raised. In landfall, yeah. 
Alright. Uh, he looks like he's sizing you up. And he says, Well, are you willing to work hard? He nods. Harder than you've ever worked in your life? Nods again. Are you healthy? Nods again. Are you afraid of heights? No. Can you swim? I've tried. Most of us can't anyways. Uh, and he, he looks over and then and then like looks over to um to Mr. The Rambler and says uh The Rambler, just wanna say, has been watching like he it looks like him and Slim have been having a conversation at, at the table, but mm-hmm. Slim's back it seems like both of them have kind of been watching the entirety of what's been unfolding. So the the beast looks over at you, Rambler, and says, This one has an odd look about him, right? After a brief pause, I like him. Welcome aboard, kid. What's your name? The name is Dorian Dreamsbrook. Welcome. And he goes to shake your hand. Also, I'm submitting a picture of what the actual drawing looks like for his character to get a better visual. All right. So a bunch more folk come to uh, to get hired onto each of the ships. Way more to Richter's ship than the Beast's. But the Beast looks like he wanted to personally vet all the crew. And looks like he's pretty happy with his selection. Afterward, he takes all of you aside and kind of introduces each of you to one another and says, um, All right, look, I have an eye for these things. I can see when someone has a life of adventure ahead of them. And I saw it in all of you, even if I didn't see much else. So listen, I'm sure you'll all make fine sailors, but I want to make one thing clear. My ship is not a dictatorship, it is a democracy. It is not my kingdom, it is my people. Once you get on board, I expect you to get along. There is any trouble, well, we'll settle it by group rule. I'm only the captain because, well, my crew is happy that I am. So, this ain't no Royal Navy ship. This is no licking my heel or having to bow down to the chain of command. This is no... Uh, a swing, a drunken swing against the captain is mutiny against the queen. This is... No. It's a much more settled vessel. People on here are good folk with compromised morals. So, I expect you to take to them. If you don't, well, we'll leave you at the first port. Am I understood? Sounds good to me, brother. I think we'll get along just fine. And he, uh, he grins this wide grin at all of you. You've got one day. We set sail tomorrow around midday. And uh, claps his hands, and you're off. Looks very funny for a small man. Yeah, he can't help his stature. And fall native, and of course, all of my family is. Fair Just- enough. I don't actually hear that accent very often, though. What was, uh, he's, he's, uh, he's looking over at Adele. What was your name again? My name, uh- is Adele. I am, uh, what you say, from Achet, Achetien, or Achet, uh, Achetien, as we like to say, but you guys like to pronounce the uh, the ends of consonants at the end of your words. Is that not correct? Uh, yeah, something like that. Yes. Usually. I admit, though, my name is not Achet. Uh, it is Zanian, but that's the only thing I know about, I think. It's something that my father gave me a long time ago. Uh, do do I know where exactly this is based off the description? Uh, Ashet? Yeah. 
It is a province. It used to be a flourishing kingdom on the border of Radon. During the silence, when Radon expanded its borders and seized its neighbors, and during the War of Devils, the demonic invasion, so to speak, Ashet is a it's a kingdom used to be independent. Now a large portion of it is ruled by the Radon Crown. Some of it is still independent. It is on it's technically on the eastern coast of Landfall, though we've never seen that. Where the northern coast is really mostly mostly what matters, since most of the sea is to the north. But they they have a sailing tradition of their own right. But they're 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 mostly known now as um under under the boot of the. Uh, Radonian Empire. Got it. They do have their their own unique language, of course, as do many other uh, cultures on the Sky Ocean. Are there pretty barmaids in this inn? Oh, dude, a hundred percent. the the prettiest The prettiest barmaid also happens to run the place, though. So every like throughout conversations, just <laughs> it's like ogling people. Oh, just the ladies. He's making making eyes at ladies. Yeah. Some of them make eyes back, most do not. This is really how it'd be in a pirate bar. Okay. They're uh, used to it. Um, the the captain, you know, tells you where to be uh, and what ship. He, he points out his ship and says, uh, mine is the HMS Queen Marie. It's uh, docked in the, the smaller port, dock two. You'll, you'll see her. She's the, she's the beautiful black-clad sloop rigged with a halcyon rig. You, you can't miss it. And he walks off. Sweet. I think that Rambler makes make sure to, like, say a good hello and goodbye to everyone, and then looks to Slim and says, got somewhere we need to be? I was able to track one of them down. I'd say we can take care of a little bit of business before we head out. Alrighty. Well, it's been lovely meeting all of you, and I'm looking forward to, uh, to working together as a big happy family. Funny way of putting it. Look. You all, you all seem very nice people. <laughs> yep. Nice meeting all of you as well. I uh, look forward to working together. As soon as the Rambler and Slim walk away, I'm going to turn to uh, Adele and say, um, uh, hey, uh, excuse me. Um, oh, um, oh God. Um, what was your name again? My name Adele. Uh, Adele, and and you're you're um, you're from Ashet. That is correct. And uh, and and so you you know uh, Ashetian, right? I would assume so. If you're from the place, you would know the language. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, that was a, that was a dumb question. Um, I'm I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm only teasing. I do that a lot. Don't take it personally, though. So. You seem like a character that might take things a little too personally. Oh, uh, uh, I don't really know what to say to that. And I kind of glance around because <laughs> I'm not entirely certain how this conversation got kind of weird. Um, and I'm going to say, uh, I'm going to go. It, it was nice meeting you. It's nice meeting you too. Uh, what's your name again? Uh, Azazel. Azazel. Yeah, I, that's actually a really kind of cool way to pronounce it. Pretty, yes. He winks. <laughs> <laughs> when he winks, my face just turns bright red, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I just look a little uncomfortable, and I'm just like, I'm, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna go. Whoa, what happened to only I and the barmaids? <laughs> <laughs> oh, Adele is Adele is an all over kind of man. Times change. Adapt overcome. <laughs> Dorian kind of uh looks over at Adele and since everyone already had left, he just kind of waves and kind of heads out into the streets, I think. Adele gives back a like a bit of like a, a finger wave and goes to talk to one of the barmaids, the prettiest one. You can figure out how that goes later. Yes. But for now. Oh, how are you? <laughs> the party spreads I out hear, to go to the I hear, I hear the ladies thing. like people with accents. <laughs> 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 Hi, hello, and welcome to Tempting Fates. I am Jordan Page, and I play as Zazel, and am the primary editor of this podcast. I go by Imaginary on YouTube, where you can find a video version of this podcast, with some trivia about the background of the game and the production of the podcast. Slim is played by Elliot Waters, The Rambler is played by Max Landy, Adele is played by Tori, and Dorian is played by Leanne. The gracious god and the dum-dum mister of this campaign is Joseph. We are a group of friends who have been playing together for a couple of years now, and with the start of our new campaign and having wanted to do a production like this for a couple of years now, I decided to put this podcast together. The theme song of this podcast is Crossing Oceans by Raven McKenzie, and the sound effects that you will hear at the end of the episode are from the website Tabletop Audio. Just a heads up, the audio quality of the first couple of episodes is going to be a bit varied. That is going to be because of some learning pains and some equipment issues. A couple of sections of this podcast have been re-recorded for that reason, and things will improve as it continues. Thank you for checking out Tempting Fate. If you are enjoying the podcast and would like to support us, please leave a review on your podcast service of choice and share the podcast with your friends. You can also follow us at Tempting Fate Pod on Twitter. We are considering a two-week release schedule, so you should see another episode in two weeks. Once again, thank you for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the rest of the show. Now, we will proceed with some vignettes of what each new crew member is doing with their time with the 20 or so hours before they set sail the next day. I'm going to start with the people in order of how I see them on roll 20. So we are going to start with the Rambler. Alrighty. How do we want to set up this scene? I think we start with him entering the establishment. We, cool. We get an outside shot of the Rambler opening the door to a higher-end brothel in the Red Light District. It is, of course, night, and it's rather busy. Is Roxanne playing in the background? Maybe. The, the madam is there, ready, ready to greet you. Mm-hmm. So how, how, is, how is the Rambler carrying himself? Is he, you know, everything's fine and dandy? He, he here, to, here to do some business? Oh, yeah, no. The Rambler walks in just, like, exuding confidence, if that's the best way to put it. His, his posture is pretty upright. It's clear that he feels at home, basically, no matter where he is. And he's, he's smiling right to the owner. And he's like, So, how's it moving, sister? Uh, I heard that a special someone was in town tonight. There are many special someones at this establishment. Would you like one? We have plenty of special people here. 
Our rates are very low. Are you are you going away on a ship? We take many sailors. I'm only in town for the night, but I'm actually not looking for uh not looking for someone to spend the night with. I'm looking for uh someone who just happens to be here, an old friend I'm catching up with. Heard they oh. were gonna be here tonight. Meeting with old friend, yes. Okay, okay. Who might that be? And she she kinda pulls out a uh ledger. So Rambler looks down. He he kinda pulls out a little almost looks like a business card. And what had Slim written on it earlier? Slim had written down on it. Richard Jackson, but he goes by Richie. Yeah, it should be someone going by the name of Richie. Richard Jackson is uh, is his official name, but he doesn't really use it that often. Ah, yes. Oh, we have a Richie here. He's been here the last four nights. A lot of money to spend, that one. Yeah, I think he's a spoiled brat. I think he's lying low. Why do you want to know? Eh, I'm actually looking to help him out in that situation. Heard someone who was looking for him was here in town, so... Wanted to give him a warning and get him out of here. And you are a friend of his. Can you make a deception check or persuasion check? This will be a deception roll? Oof. Not as good as I would like. That'll do it. But we are level one. Uh, I mean, the- yeah, to deceive this this gal, like, she she's not, like, super suspicious of you. She's not on edge. She just wants to make sure that, uh, that you know, uh, otherwise she might make you cough up a few coin for that information. But yeah. uh, but she says... The, the 12 um, takes it. I think, just, just to grease the wheels as well as I'm saying this, I've been about halfway through the conversation, I took out a gold coin and I've kind of been flipping it in my hand playing with it, as I kind of say, I'm an old friend, I'm looking to uh, get him out of here. I kind of put it on the table uh, and leave it there. She says, upstairs, end of the hallway, room 233, no one will bother you. And she slips the coin. Thank you very much. Uh, Good day, sir. Keep it shaking, sister. And he uh, goes up the stairs. There's the, there's the thump, thump, thump of the... Uh, Rawhide boots uh, as he goes down to the end of the hallway. You find room 233. The door is closed. Some red light is coming from underneath the... Um... Also, I would like to say just before you get up there, Slim would have made his entrance and then he would nod it at you just so that she knows that we're together so I don't have to go through the same <laughs> rim roll that you just yeah. did. <laughs> yeah. Rambler nods back. As Slim enters... The brothel gets kind of quiet, and the madame stuffs her coin away and says, Ah, ah, I see. And turns away to deal with other business. Everyone everyone seems eager to ignore the warden who just entered the room. As the rambler gets to the end of the hall, there's the click, click, clicking of the shoes step by step. And he stops uh, right at the door, gives it two taps. You heard, like, voices, someone talking, and then there's silence. Hey, Richie! Old friend sent me. What saying do you want? About, saying something about a warden being in town. Here to get you out of here. Warden? What the hell? What, what, what do you want with me? What? I ain't done nothing. I don't feel like having this conversation through the door. So, <laughs> Ravely's going to go ahead and say, open the door in three seconds. Get decent. Two. One. Two seconds opens past, the door. he opens the door. He's, he's <laughs> wearing like a robe. Front's kind of open. He has a plate of grapes in one hand. And he says, Who the hell are you? 
Right now, that's not what's important, man. You've been here for four days? Yeah. Same place, four days. I, I'm lying low, man. How, how high's the bounty on your head? It's, uh, it's not that high. Hey, you, you want a great man? I'm not hungry. Well, you know what? We all take one. Uh, he takes, takes a grape, slowly, like, squishes it between his teeth, and says... I will also say that, just positioning-wise, I am around the corner at the bottom of the stairs, just, like, within earshot so I can wait until he goes into the room. Alright. What, what do you want? Richie, I know you ran with the crew a little while back. Uh, now you found something. Pretty big haul, but found something that maybe you shouldn't have. And now you got some people after you. Especially considering... Because I was hired by one of the other guys to get you out of here. What? Look, did, let's get in the room. Let's get. I think there's someone listening. All right, all right, all right, all right. All right come on, come on, come on in. When you walk in, he says, "Did did Big Jim send you?" Of course, it was Jim. Oh, Look, he no, thinks he I might need you again. And you can't be dying in the middle of Port City in some. All right, all right, awful. Five, five, five. Keep keep it down. Keep it down. Have a great brother. Beverly takes another one. Uh, but th- this one he just starts playing with in his hand. Uh, starts flipping it around, passing it from hand to hand. Richie, Richie looks pretty nervous and says, So why, why didn't you tell me? Why, why is it just, you just showed up, no, no, no knock, no letter? As they're talking, I'm going to very slowly and stealthily make my way up the stairs. Oh, yeah. Oh, boy. Gotta got roll stealth. And I, I don't think it's too hard to, to, walk, to walk the hallway sneakily, but you, you can get right up to the door. I heard which ones were squeaky as he went up. Yep. Uh, and Rambler's, go- Rambler's rambling on, uh, saying, The other ones have already been attacked. Well, not attacked, but people have been after him. They're afraid if they send a narc, they'll let people know where they are. And oh, where shit, you are. I thought, we w- I thought we were clean. I thought we were free. The- no, n- no, nobody cares about just some random warden south of the border. I don't know. Maybe the warden was more important than you thought. All I know is someone's after y'all. Well, fine. All right. What 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 do you propose we do? How how are we getting out of here? Well, first off, as if nothing's going on, gotta get all your stuff packed together. Get out of that. Gestures out the robe. And brother, we gotta right, 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 right. gotta get out of this town. There's a ship already ready. Start. He he starts changing, and he says, "It's just it's just insane. I, I thought I was in the clear, man. I, Jim." Before we bro- broke it off, Jim-, Jim said everything was fine. He he like he's pulling his boots on. He gets his pants. Last last elements the shirt. He just kind of grabs it and says, "All right, let's let's get the hell yeah, out of here." That's before someone went off gambling all their money and people started asking questions. He squints at you hard. Do you do you say anything else, or are no. you gonna are you gonna? No, let I'm, him I'm, leave I'm the not elaborating there. I'm letting him make the connection. All right. He he says. Now listen here, we're gonna get out of here, and then you're gonna tell me how you know all this shit. Cause I don't know if Jim would uh you know what? And he, he turns and looks and he reaches for something behind a cabinet. <sighs> Do anything? Was I would I have been able to hear all this through the doorway? Yeah. yeah. I think I think I'm gonna say, what are you trying to insinuate, brother? If Jim really did send you and he, he's like, his hand is behind this cabinet, and you can hear, like, a, a soft clicking noise. Wouldn't he have really told you all that stuff about the 
Gamlin and the people after us? Or were you just a hard you to send a message and get me out? Jim ain't smart, but he ain't dumb either. Rambler squints. Squints at uh squints at him. Uh and he takes the grape that was in his hand and like passes it. He kind of has his hands up in a way and he passes it to the other and says now look, brother, I'm just trying to help you. I've arranged for a way out of here. And you're really going to shoot the messenger? He sighs and says, all right, all right, maybe you're right. Look, it's just all a bit suspicious. I mean, what if, you know, Warren's buddies were, were just, just around the corner or something? All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. Let's head out. Uh, and he, he is going to uh, take his shirt and get out of here. Make a perception roll real quick. Oh, my perception is not as good as... Oh, never mind. It's great. 20. Oh, shit. You definitely see as he picks up his shirt, he pulls whatever it is behind the, the cabinet and like bundles it in the shirt. Just like not even bundles it, like uses the shirt. Uh, to mask I say I say it. loud enough uh, that someone standing right on the other side of the door could hear you be be careful with that. He goes and he's going to sidle out the door. As soon as the door opens, he's going to open it just to see me pouring a flintlock in his face. Yeah, it's just a towering form of a warden. He looks up and he goes, Oh, by the maker! Uh, what do you do? Get back in that room, boy. Oh, oh, shit, li- li- listen, I, I, I don't know nothing. I, Sit down! I don't know what you- Oh, oh fuck. Uh, he, he goes back, um... I think the Rambler's uh, gonna stu- walk over. Uh, stumbles back to the bed. Rambler's gonna walk over and, and gesture for him to give the shirt and the flintlock inside of it over. He pulls the shirt up to his chest like, no. And he he looks at you and he says, I knew something was fishy about you, boy. It's not about me. It's about staying in the same place for four nights. Now, what, you get one shot off, then you die here. Or we talk it out, you put that gun down. And maybe we can come to something where it doesn't end with you dead. Make a persuasion check. I'm gonna be honest. I'm more after... Big Jim and the others. If a little fishy like you gets away, I don't care much. So I'm going to assist him with that. Okay, roll that advantage. That is a 19. Takes a deep breath and he says, Alright, alright, now let's all just be nice and civilized. And he pulls away the the shirt and lo and behold, he has a, a wheel lock pistol. Clicks it down very slowly. And places it on on the dresser next to him, and slowly takes his hand away. Rambler picks it up and just kind of puts it in the uh, right right in the sash around his, basically in the place a belt would be. When you move over towards it, he like twitches, and then you pick it up and he relaxes. Like he he was gonna grab it, but he stopped yeah. himself. And the Rambler just takes a step back, lets Slim do uh do the talking. All right, Mister Warden, you got all the cards. What do you want from me? I ain't done nothing wrong. Oh, the dead body south of the border would say otherwise. Nobody in Radon knows that. Well, it's unlucky for you that a few few other wardens are around the area. Oh, shit. I knew Jim wasn't. Listen, now, it wasn't my fault. It was was Jim. I mean, him and and, uh, him and Sally and Gareth, they, they, they were the ones who pulled the trigger. I was just caught up in it all. Hmm. So accessory to murder. 
sure, sure. Take, 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 take me to the courts. I'll, I'll be fine. You will, we both know wardens don't use courts. Out here, you should know it's frontier justice. So either you tell me where they've been, or this fourth night will have been your last, both in the brothel and among the living. Aw, oh, shit. Roll intimidation, son. I think that while he's doing this, I crush the grape that I've been playing with this whole time in my fingers uh, to give him advantage. Yeah, okay. Don't need it. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that 21. Uh, he goes wide eyes, and he says, oh, I knew we should have never fucked with the ward commission. Uh, now, now listen, it's just... it. it look, we... Me and, and Big Jim's crew, we, we we parted ways. I don't even I don't even know where they are anymore. Look, honest, honest. Cross my heart, swear by the maker, hope to die. All right, they, you're the money man among them, right? Yeah, yeah. So, you but paid I, for their tickets, didn't you? Track. I, I know what trains they got on, sure. But it and look, and look but two two of them ain't even. They ain't even around no more. They they got to the port and they they took a ship. Which ones? Which ship? Big, Big Jim and Sally. They 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 took a train to to the port. I they, some ship. I, I I don't know the 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 Bell or something. La Belle, La Belle. I don't I don't know, man. And they they buzzed off, man. And they were going to the frontier or something. I I, I don't. Gareth, what about Gareth? He. I I think he stuck around, but man, that that guy was crafty. I I mean, he asked me for his share in like four parts, and it, I I think he transferred trains a few times. I don't know. I lost sight of him from there. And that that that's all I know. That's all I know. Hmm. Said okay. One, there's one more thing, officer. If it if it'll give me a a briefer sentence. Go on. And spare some mercy for old for old Richie here. Depends on the information. Uh, now, you, you'd you be mighty interested in this. B- Big Jim and Sally said they were going after another score. Said they heard about what one one of the, the this magical device. Now, now, like, I'm talking like, like, maybe a Leviathan called it. So you, so you definitely want to, want to get after him. All right. And, uh, and, and they, they said they were going to go dig it up from the frontier and uh, it's it's a real it's a real big deal. They're they're uh, they're they're up around Halcyon somewheres. So just just you know, for for that that's good intel. It is good. Gives me an area to look. All right, great. So now 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 when when you when, when you take me in, you, you can be a little lenient, right? Now hold on. That was just one of the bodies. We found the other one. Wait, what the hell are you talking about? What body? Down deeper in there, we took a little look around. We found another body. Who'd that belong to? The the body in the grave? Which we? Yes, the body in the grave. It was just, it was just some just just some dead guy. I don't I don't, I don't, know, I don't know who we robbed. What was his name? Uh, I I can't. I can't rightly say. You can't or won't. Like, sweat beads down his face. You look like you've seen a ghost, brother. I, I recognize your voice, mister. 
it's best you do. You should have made sure I was good and dead. You little punk ass bitch. Uh, And he jumps to his feet. Oh, at that, I've gotten closer. As I've been talking, I immediately just dome him. With the gun? Yes. A roll, roll to hit at advantage. Oh boy, oh boy. Nice. It's it's a hit. And because uh, he's a human, I get plus two to damage. Oh shit. So it'll be four. Yeah, it, it hits with a with, with a mighty uh well there there's like the, the like flick whoosh of the powder and the boom is nearly deafening. A bunch of smoke and sparks billows out the front of the gun. He doesn't even get a chance to scream before his brains are splattered all across the room. His dead body falls back onto the uh, onto the bed. Pampered little rich kid. Had a pretty nice piece on him. Rambler takes out the wheeler that he got. You want it? Uh, it seems you could use a piece with that empty holster of yours. Well, thank you kindly. Guess we should get to the boat now. Yeah, let's take a little looksy through his thing, see if he kept any of the stash that he didn't spend on whores and gambling. Of course. Just a little investigation, I guess, or just... Yeah, yeah, roll roll investigation. Uh, How's your investigate? Plus zero. Cool, mine is more than that, so I'll take the look. Alrighty. Got a natural crit. What we'd find, what did he not tell us? Well, look, okay, with a crit, you know, I'm supposed to give you something good, but you do find that my man's flat broke. And but do we find dead. any information? Do we find any ticket stubs? Tell us uh, exactly where things were going. You, you find... First, you find an antique watch that will probably sell for five to ten gold. Sweet. That looked like his last expensive possession. And then you find... An unused train ticket to Karnakis and a letter, like a, a, a letter of recommendation for like the crew of a boat, like a letter of captains saying they'll take someone on for a voyage. It is a ship called La Belle, B-E-L-L-E. Looks like it's making its sail from Port City up to up to the Apocalypse Reach and into the Northern Territories, the the North Frontier, where it allegedly is going to make landfall near the Halcyon Coast, which is a part of the kind of new new world up there. Okay. Well, at least we got this in Rattan now. Well, the story checks out. Too bad I just hate his guts. Understandable. The dude was a spoiled brat. Yeah. Imagine having to spend months at a time with them. God. I feel bad for the ladies that I spent time with. And I I just, like, sort of wrap them up in the blanket because I don't want to cause too much of a a mess to the next person who walks in. But uh, as we're walking out, I put down, uh, let's say, five gold on the table. Or uh, at the front desk. For your troubles, madam. The, for your troubles? Uh, Fuck. The, 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 the madam says, um, Mr. Warden, sir, did you find what you were looking for? Business concluded? I reckon I did. You'll we'll want somebody you. to go and uh, clean up. Yes, to we'll be. And she, she kind of sweeps up the five gold and says, 
Thank you very much. And you you hear like quiet mumbling uh, around around the uh, around the customers, and then someone say to you, "Glad glad you're keeping the streets safe, sir." On day's work, doing the Lord's work. You sidle out. See you around, sister. Farewell. Can we just assume I sell the pocket watch while we're still in Port City? Yep, it sells for five gold. Five gold? Ah, oh, man, not ten. Can I? Can I roll? It's five to ten. Can I roll to get a better bargain? <laughs> sure, roll persuade. <laughs> Twenty-two. <laughs> for ten. You get it for ten. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> nice rolling. Thank you. It's all skill. We cut to you looking at a little handwritten note you wrote yourself. It has an address. The address, it's the street address for a shop called... Wait, before we do that, do you mind if I do the extra shopping first? Oh, sure. I figured get that out of the way. Yeah. What, what does Dorian do as he um, leaves the bar and heads to do some shopping before getting on the road? Uh, I Setting out to see... I think he's just taking his time, kind of looking at all the places around him, kind of taking everything in as he is both keeping an eye out for any shops of interest, as well as the environment and the, the, just the mood of the place. There are two particular types of shops. Imagine they could potentially be in one itself. He is looking for a place that sells crystals and a place that sells incense first. You find a, uh, a shop of... Trinkets and curiosities, it says, and it and then it says medicine and good omens for all who linger. Okay. Uh, on the sign, he enters the door. It appears to be part antique shop, part kind of curio shop. They do sell incense and crystals, among other strange things. And at the um, it, within are two women sitting at a piano. One of them's playing the high keys, one of them's playing the low keys. Interesting. Do you recognize the song that they're playing? Uh, no. It sounds almost improvisational, but somewhat haunting. Interesting. Uh, excuse me. The, the sister playing the high keys stops and looks up at you. The sister playing the low keys continues. Quick question, Joe. Are they the only two people here? Uh, yes. Okay. Are you two, by chance, the owners of the shop, or...? The sister resumes playing the low keys and the sister playing the high keys stops and says yes we are the sole owners of propriety i was wondering if you happen to have any incense or well i'm looking for a particular crystal the one playing the low keys stops and the one playing the high keys begins again and the sisters uh who stopped playing says and what particular crystal would you like we have a wide selection citrine citrine Hmm. If we may, and then she resumes playing the low keys, and the sister playing the high keys stops and picks up her sentence and says, Inquire, do you wish this citrine for any particular purpose? I have a necklace here that needs an update. I have shungite, but it's not fitting anymore. Shungite? Is that not for healing and warding of disease? Not necessarily. It also wards against hazardous energy, and I have a good feeling... That, well, a lot of good is going to come our way. They both smile at the exact same time, which is a little disconcerting. And the, the one resumes playing the low keys and the other sister stops playing the high keys and says, Well, 
certainly i will take you to it and she stands up and walks over to a to a drawer of um little like crystals and trinkets and she pulls one out and examines it and says do you know how to properly prepare it yes i do very well and she takes it and hands it to you and then like closes your hand around it and says we do not sell hawk's feathers or lamb's blood i have no interest in either of those curious how was this crystal procured procured as collected well, it, was, it was grown in the earth and harvested by hard workers up in the frontier so it was mined yes <sighs> strip mining did you ask strip mining yeah don't think that's a technique they have yet okay like st- so, as in strip stripping it bare essentially she shrugs and says a quarry oh you do realize that it's frowned upon selling crystals mind. It's the best way to acquire them. If you would like them acquired by other means, we can certainly provide, but it will be at a higher cost. But if they're collected violently, then they're no of use. Um, he looks over to the piano and says, would you make a deal for a discount? On one of our other crystals? No, no, yes, though the... You one more personally acquired, uh, the one that you you mentioned that was higher cost. I have a proposition. Sure, we can make a deal. What is your proposition? I play I play some music with you. I uh, noticed you play the piano, and I happen to have an instrument with me and myself. She looks over to her sister, and her sister stops playing and stands up and puts the latch down on the door and flips the sign to say closed. And then she turns back and says, Will you play us a song? I can, yes. Will it be a good song? I believe so. Fantastic. For the price of one song played earnestly from the heart and not under duress, and two gold pieces, we can give you a citrine acquired by other means. I'm also interested in in uh, some incense as well. We can provide incense for a low price, of course. Okay. Pick out oh. any, any you like. That sounds lovely. Uh, he takes out the instrument, and I have a song request, Joe. Okay. Do you wish them to accompany you on the piano? Sure. I, unfortunately, this particular song does not have the piano attached to it, but... Also, weirdly enough, they, they appear to take what appear, what looks like a conch shell and place it in front of you. Okay. Um, so I think he plays this one, considering how they're playing a relatively haunting tomb. So he takes out a, uh, rather odd-looking instrument, roughly the size of his arms, and finds a place to sit down to properly play this. He starts to go and turn the crank as he presses the keys, and a very melodic noise comes out of it. Almost like a violin, but not quite. Extremely more harmonic and resonant. The sisters both sway in in unison as you play. Mm-hmm. Make a performance roll. Okay. I think for ease, I'll just play. do the, uh, the one here. Not very good. Lovely. I should have just used my dice. <laughs> I really uh, should have just used my dice. <laughs> let me ask you a question, Dorian. Was this song from the heart? I don't think for this one. I think this one, he is more after something. When the song is over, they both look at each other. 
and then look at Dorian and say, Well, that was an interesting tune. We believe, however, it is not quite up to our standards. Would you like to change the deal? We only request a favor. Be done at a later date. Am I going to be privy to what the details of this favor is? Not at the moment, but we can guarantee it wouldn't be something you wouldn't do for power. And if I do not seek power? They both smile at the same time, and they say, Everyone seeks power. Yeah, I see. The crystal looks back at them and... They produced a new crystal that is in its own box, and they open it up for you, and it shines. And how did you collect this crystal? The sister winks and says, trade secret. But it's not violent? No, not per se. I'm gonna roll insight, just to see if they're lying. Actually use my dice, because quite frankly, I don't trust this. I'll let you know what it says, though. Okay. Are you kidding me? <laughs> what is it? How much better? It's a, f- it's a five. <laughs> I mean, look, man, she's mysterious as fuck. You can't get a read on her. Okay, yep. Used to favors. Fine. I'll take it. We will collect at a later date, and the incense is on the house. What are your two names? So I may remember. The one of the sisters goes over and flips back the sign to say open and unlatches the door and the other sister who's speaking to you says we prefer not to use names why don't you just call us the pianist okay he he takes the crystal and the gathers the incense of interest and he says oh joe can i do a perception check uh yes I would like I like to see if there's a familiar symbol I see in the store. Make a perception check. Okay. Um perception is this one. Nat 20. <laughs> uh I I hate to I hate to say it, you don't see yeah. a symbol. Okay. Good to know though. That is very uh, good to know. However, you see lots of cleverly hidden in plain sight occult paraphernalia. Oh. So these guys are the real deal. Um, perhaps we'll see exactly. Uh, he, I think, makes a face when he sees these. I don't necessarily think it's the most negative of faces. Um, but his 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 mouth becomes more of a straight line at the sight of the paraphernalia, and he uh says, "Well, at a later date, then. Uh, goodbye." He leaves the store, and I think at that point, when the door closes, that he realizes he never told them his name, and they knew it. As you leave the door, the one of the sisters resumes playing the piano, and the other sister calls after you, Good luck finding the lamb's blood and the hawk feathers. Off you go. So that, that took a little longer than expected, but you still have one more stop, Dorian. Yep, I have a bookstore to go to. We see over Dorian's shoulder, he's looking at a piece of paper where he wrote down he wrote down the name of a bookstore. Let me look it up again. Uh, how many incense do you, can I grab? Just so I can have it uh, on. You can grab like five sticks. Okay. Do that. 
you have this little note that you wrote yourself mm-hmm. uh, that that has on it a, a street address, and then it says, Pork and Friends Emporium for Rare and Exotic Books. Yeah. He immediately starts walking over towards there. Maybe kind of, I think I think maybe he'll do a perception check just to make sure, especially those two shady folk that join the crew, a.k.a. Slim and the Rambler, are not, like, nearby or anything like that. Yeah, Slim looked like he was a warden, dude. Yeah, 10, I got a 10 perception for any potential people who he might be gaining the unwanted attraction of. Yeah, there's no one suspicious lurking about you. You've stumbled in, like, following this address, you stumble into an abandoned part of town. There's kind of no one here. And it takes you a minute to find the place because what you find is an empty lot with a very large carriage parked in it. Interesting. As you walk up, the carriage does have a small sign nailed to the side of it that says, Pork and Friends Emporium of Rare and Exotic Books. Also, Emporium is misspelled. Do you enter? It's one that you can walk through. It's yeah. a carriage, so the carriage <laughs> is meant to be, like, stepped up to and open. Okay, uh, I think he is going to knock on the door. Uh, you knock, and you, you hear a noise, a stirring within, and then someone say, No solicitors! What, what about those seeking to buy? Customer! And this man opens the door. It is a gnome of short build, and he, uh... He has a fine mustache and really frizzy graying hair. And he looks up at you and he says, A customer! Are you interested in my books, sir? Yes, I've, I've caught word I should be here. Hmm, should you? And he looks up on his tiptoes and examines you and says, Yes, 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 very much so. You belong here. You belong here. Come in, my friend. Welcome to Hork and Friends Emporium for rare and exotic books. What's it look like? <laughs> uh, the inside of the carriage, it used to be an opulent riding carriage meant for multiple people. Now, every surface is covered with books. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> there have been some shelves that have been, like, hammered into the sides. Uh, you see water damage in a few places, but all of the books look fine. It, yeah, everywhere is books. He says, take a look at any you like. Some are extremely hard to find. People people will make killings for these if they can come and find them. Do you start looking through his collection? I think so. I think I have a title. I, I have an inkling of an idea of what title I should be looking for. Make an investigation roll. Okay. Let's see. 17 plus 4 is 21. Beautiful. All right. You start looking, and he's watching you like a hawk. And he says, now, in my establishment, it is usually... The book you want the most that jumps out at you. As you're like rummaging around, you bump one of the shelves that are nailed to the side of the carriage, and a book falls off one and it kind of bumps you on the head. And he says, Oh, oh care- careful, careful. I think it knocks off his hat, but the uh, string that's wrapped around it makes it so that it doesn't fall off completely. It catches, yeah. Uh, and Hork and Friend says, is this the book you're looking for? And he holds up a volume bound in what's probably leather or some form of animal skin that is thoroughly dyed yellow. I I think it might. 
There's no uh, label. There's no title. Um, he is going to grab it and kind of um, look to see if he sees a few key words that he might recognize. You open the fir- to the first page? Yes. I will message you the title on Facebook. Okay. Oh, I could see it on Roll20 or Discord. Either, I mean, any one of them works because I have it all set up for notifications. I think it's more to keep it hidden from the rest of us. True. Yep. Well, I was it's thinking Whisper on Roll20. Slash W and then your name on it. That Roll is 20. fair. That and beneath it is a symbol. A symbol you recognize. And immediately, Porkin friend kind of moves forward and says, um, and says, okay, 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 no, don't, don't be reading too much, okay? I think he gives is, him a withered look. <laughs> it's type of book to be savored. You know how expensive that is? I can't just have you come in here and walk away with it. How much? How much? Yes. Well, it depends on who's asking. I know a few people who would kill for that book. They say there's only one copy in the whole world. You don't want to know how I got it. Hmm? So, the question is not, how much do I want for it? It is, how much are you willing to pay? Quite a bit, but I do not have much on hand. Um, do, not, do not need to deal with the physical. There are other forms of paying your dues. Like a favor. Exactly, like a favor. It's always comes down to favors, okay? What's what's your offer? This book, it calls to you. It calls to you, yes. But the book will try to control you. I want to see if you can read it and come away the same. So, how about you do me a favor? Once you have read the book, find a theater and someone who is willing to perform. Then, come back to me with a book of equal rarity. And your debt will be paid in full. Good deal, yes? I suppose. Okay. Um, sure. Sure, why not? When I you return, tell me everything that happened. From your reading the book, to perhaps even seeing it live on stage. I... I'll be sure. I will be waiting. Um, what's your name? Horkin, friend. Purveyor of rare and exotic books. Well, Horkin, friend. Name is Dorian Dreamsbrook. I... Well, I hope we can meet again. Oh, for your sake. I hope so, too. And he puts out his hand to shake. He looks down a little bit, looks kind of back up, and says, Do you want this to seal it, or? If it's a deal, we must shake hands, yes. Oh, uh, he reaches out his hand and and shakes it. Mr. Horkenfriend has a very firm handshake, mm-hmm. and he grins a, a kind of crooked smile and says... Very good, very good. I'm sure you will enjoy it. It is a very riveting read. So I've been told. 
Well, goodbye. And he turns and sits down at his uh, desk. He he kind of just gives one more good glance around the bookstore and leaves with the new book being tucked into his backpack. See, Sounds I realize that you said like, or when you said uh, on stage, I'm assuming that's like in action and combat. But I'm just thinking that it's his <laughs> own like personal <laughs> musical that he's put together. <laughs> Me too. That's what I'm hoping. This I'm is hoping... just gonna turn into Heather's. <laughs> Welcome to the candy store. We see Adele, it is sundown. Uh, the sun has set, it is nighttime. He is in he's in the industrial sector, which is of course closed for the evening. And he is in front of an abandoned factory, all rusted metal. This is a place you saw in your dream, Adele. Do you wish to enter? Yes. He hesitant. He opens the door. Or does it appear that that it's yeah, it's abandoned that there's no one there. Mm-hmm. Then he opens the door. Within the factory is empty, uh, save for some rusted hulking machinery, the remains of a coal furnace, and what looks like a vat, like a like a pit in the ground with a vat that was meant to hold something. You walk over to it and see that the pit has filled at least a little ways with scummy water. You look in and see your own reflection. And then your reflection flickers and wobbles and murmurs and a ripple spreads across the pool until you are replaced with a man in a dark hooded robe speckled like a starry night sky. Adele is taken aback and he, for a second, looks away to look behind him. Boy, are you acclimated? Do you have a ship? And the crew. I, I do. Just like you ask. Are you prepared for a long voyage? I don't even know what this book looks like. You what will I'm know supposed it. to find. When you see it. It is perhaps mean? the rarest book in all the world. Only one copy ever being printed. Why do I need to find it? Why can't you do it? Because you, my boy, are special. Am I clear? This is crazy. Yes. Yes, it's clear. How, how long... How long will it last? When I find this book, will you stop watching? It may be weeks, months. I will be there. Every step of the way. I have faith in you, Adele. Believe in yourself. You are serving the greater good, of course. And there's more money in it for you. You do as I say. The hooded figure, the stars on his cloaks sparkling, leans in and says, You have my word. Adele nods. 
does does the apparition disappear or uh with with a ripple he says good luck and the water clears until it is just adele's reflection again the tattoo on the back of adele's hand underneath his glove starts to itch as that happens and this bothers adele he's not he's very tense by all of this with that does he uh return to uh he does. He he needs to, Adele figures that because he is tense and needs some some kind of relaxing, he goes back because the barmaid promised to meet him later that night. Oh great. He's onion, what can we expect? <laughs> okay. So, so to 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 wrap this up, because this this was a slightly shorter shorter vignette for Adele. Yeah. Um you, you return and you see that barmaid. The barmaid's name is Scarlet. She is a absolutely gorgeous half-elf who also happens to be about eight times your age. That's um, okay by Adele. And, uh, and she, she says, oh, I'm so glad you returned. Uh, and uh, uh, offers to, to take you up to one of their rooms. Adele says, one, she's 100%. Not, at this point, he does not so, he's not super used to speaking in common all the time. So he's gotten mm-hmm. like a little tired by this moment. He just nods and is like, let's go. She offers you many drinks. When, when, you, when you get up to the roof, she gets Adele really drunk. Like, really drunk. Really drunk. That's okay. It's it's in Ashet's nature to get super drunk, so he's totally down for it. Plus, he parties with all kinds of crooks and stuff back home. When you wake up the next morning, your boots and most of your money is gone. Yeah, but you're pretty sure you had a fantastic time. <laughs> pretty sure. <laughs> yeah, he, he wakes up. He's like, "Shita, but wasn't she just amazing?" <laughs> <laughs> good. It's it. He instead of being upset, he just kind of like leans back. He's like, "It was a good night." Yeah, your your memories of it are. <laughs> are when when you when you leave the bar, the. The owner and proprietor, Grafer, tosses you a small bag of coins and says, Acquiesce some new shoes, young man. Thank you, good sir. I like to think that the barmaids just have like a trophy room of boots. <laughs> One of them does. <laughs> uh, also, um, Adele, you don't need to subtract any money from your sheet because I'm not cruel. Okay. I'm not. I'm not gonna dock you money before the campaign even starts. But yeah, she she kind of swindles you, and then uh, yeah. It's a. It's a. It's. I mean, besides creepy magic, which Adele doesn't like, it was a good night. Yeah, shit's going great so far. Swindled. Last but not least, it is the next morning, and you all are getting ready to head out. We get a scene with Azazel. The camera kind of comes up on Azazel. He's sitting. It's sun. It's sunrise, so like beautiful sun is peeking over the clouds of the sky ocean, tinging them all a uh, beautiful rose color. And you're sitting on the docks. Behind you is a pirate sloop in beautiful condition, Bermuda rigged, but of course on the sky ocean they call it Halcyon rigged. 
and emblazoned across its prow is the Queen Marie. And you are sitting across a barrel from someone, but we don't get to see their face. We just see Azazel's face. And we hear a voice. Uh, All right. Uh, I'm going to be fine. I'm more worried about you. Uh, Here. I I know, but look, it's... you're going on a ship, like... Yeah? What What if you don't like the people? What if they're mean to you? What, what if you aren't a good sailor? <laughs> I'll be fine. It's, it can't be that What if hard? the ship's haunted? What if you die? Uh, look, it's... It'll be fine. I, there, we, I will manage. We, there, first off, the ship's not going to be haunted. There's no such thing as ghost. Or, well, I guess after what we've been through, I suppose I should open my mind to that one a little bit. <laughs> Come on. Can you do a different plan? No, this, this is... is this is the only plan we have. He won't recognize you like he'll recognize me. You've aged I mean like it's been 4 years, but like you're you're much older now. You you were just a kid back then. I'm he I haven't changed as much as you. He'll recognize me. But you have to leave me alone. I know and and trust me, it's going to be hard, but I will come. And and I'll visit you Please. as often as I can. I promise I won't be gone long. What if something happens? Nothing will happen, I promise. I will do everything I can to make sure that nothing bad will happen. That we will make it through this without any problems. And and you, you just have to trust me. Alright, alright. I trust you. But is everything packed? Yeah, I got I got everything packed uh, as best I could. Double checked. Yeah. Triple checked. Yes, I've packed everything. I'm certain of it. Tri- I've done it. Pinky swear, cross your heart and hope to die. Swear yes. by the maker. Look, we'll be fine. Um, you just it, look. Right. You need to keep your eyes out for Addie's crew. At, if you see any of them, you you hide or you run. You, you cannot let them find you. Yeah, the, the camera, like, kind of moves from side to side at, like, the crowd milling about. Because if they find you, before, and I'm not here to help, it's just, I don't want to lose you. Okay. Okay. Make, make sure to come back and visit, okay? <laughs> of course. Right. As often as I can. Right. I'll visit as often as I can. And with that, um, I'm going to step away and make my way to the ship, um, waving as I go. Bye, big bro. Good luck. see a small Radonian farmhouse. It has a neatly tended back garden full of herbs and flowers in neat rows, and inside a woman sits alone at a table. Her head is in her hands, and she looks devastated. 
In front of her on the table is a bag that's been packed with household valuables, jewelry, gold, trinkets. The house itself appears abandoned. It's just her, even though there are clearly two bedrooms. And as we watch, she takes a deep breath, sniffles, and stands, wiping her puffy eyes. She grabs the bag of valuables and walks out the door. She walks out into a bustling, small Radonian farming village. We can see children playing in the street that all wave to her as she passes by, shouting, Bye, Miss Anne, have fun on your trip! She waves back, forcing a cheery demeanor, and says, Bye bye be nice to Mrs. Bennett while I'm gone. Ah, but she's so boring, one of the children complains. Until I return, she's your teacher. Be respectful, and it will only be for a few months anyways. The children kind of look at each other, and one of the older ones says, Mom says that's what Mr. Daryl said, and he never came back. There's a pause, and the woman's countenance darkens, and she says, I'm not Daryl now, am I? The children kind of shuffle, and then one of them says, Okay, don't get caught by ghosts in the woods. Don't be silly. There are no ghosts in the woods, Miss Anne says, and she waves again and makes a beeline for the general store. As she enters the general store, a bell rings announcing her presence. It is empty save for an elderly-looking man with a mustache manning the counter. Her grief on the walk over has turned into a sort of steely determination, and she strides up to the counter and sets down her bag of valuables. The man behind it says, Ah, Anne, what can I get you? Would you like some flour? Perhaps some oats? And she cuts him off, saying, I need a gun. He raises his eyebrows, and after a brief moment, she mutters, It's not for me. I just... I need a gun. And he says, Ah, that... that's quite the purchase, Miss Anne. Aren't, aren't you about to leave on... And she, more earnestly this time, says... I need whatever you have that's loud and powerful. He nods and says, I'll see what I can do, and ducks into the back. Anne stands quietly for a minute, rubbing her eyes and clenching her fist. She seems almost angry. When the store owner returns, he's carrying a double-barreled hunting rifle. He sets it on the table and says, This is the biggest firearm I have. She nods and says, it'll do, and I'll need some shot as well. He pulls some gunpowder and rounds and says, uh, you have the money? And she pushes the bag of valuables towards him. Take all of it. I don't care. He hesitates for a moment and says, are you sure you're, are you a hundred percent positive you want to do this? She rubs her eyes again and sets a steely glare on him and says, I've made up my mind. I'm bringing him home. The man nods and says, all right, good luck, Anne. I'll keep any of these that don't pay for the gun and give them back to you when you return. And she nods and says, thank you. I Thank you. 
and after a pause, she takes the rifle, slings it over her shoulder, and leaves. We see her walking through the streets of the town, head down, the rifle clutched tightly. She passes a young man who's working in a yard, who stops and says, Miss Anne! And she looks up and notices him, and after a brief, awkward moment, he says, You're... you're going out to get him. She nods, and the young man says, And what if he doesn't want to come back? The woman takes a moment, takes a deep breath, and says, I'm going to bring him back. The young man kind of shrugs and says, Okay, uh, tell him I said hi. And she says, I will. And continues her walk. She decides to take a shortcut out of the town through the woods to get to the train station. The shortcut passes by a mill that, according to town legend, is haunted. It was abandoned by a lumber company not too long ago after three near-fatal accidents in as many weeks made the mill unprofitable, at least in the eyes of the company. She walks by the abandoned building, which has a caved-in roof and, remarkably still, the bloodstains of a previous incident. And as she walks through, the camera pans low to see her boots hitting the mossy forest floor. And she steps right next to a beautiful little yellow flower, and suddenly a deep, resonant voice breaks the silence. Miss Anne. She freezes and grips the rifle. Who, who's there? Miss Anne, the voice says, sounding like it's coming from everywhere within the forest. Anne raises her gun and starts pointing it into the trees. Who is there? I'm armed. I come bearing tidings. Your quest will fail. What are you talking about? It Show yourself! I, I will shoot you! <laughs> you are foolish to think you can find him. Your son is mine. She grimaces and says, Show yourself! After a moment, the voice says, Down by your foot. And she looks down and sees the little yellow flower has grown a little yellow mouth that moves as if forming words. If you ever wish to see your boy again, go to Port City and take the first ship leaving for the frontier. Do as I say, and you may yet see him alive. Do not fail me, Miss Anne. Her face twists into a determined snarl, and she stamps out the flower and trudges off into the woods. A note on historical accuracy. This campaign draws heavily from themes of the Wild West and pirates, the age of piracy, as well as the Industrial Revolution, the expansion and colonization of the Americas, and other parts of history around that time period. We do not mean to 
diminish the horrible acts that real pirates did or the terrible things that happened during the time period of the wild west and the colonization of the americas but we will be taking themes from those and instead using the mythologized kind of prettied up elements so we aren't going to be touching on aspects like slavery and oppression of natives and things like that instead we're going to be using the aesthetics of that time period and some details but just taking what we want to have fun with it instead of trying to provide any historical accuracy or any commentary on real history. This is a fantasy world, so it's going to reflect things from the cultural zeitgeist of Earth while not actually copying them. So you'll see cowboys and cowgirls, and you'll see pirates that call themselves pirates but act nothing like real pirates. Instead, this story is based on mythical, romanticized versions of pirates.